Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. And I'm tired. I'm exhausted. It's Sunday night. Sunday before our Patreon subscribers get the episode, which means that I'm going to be up tonight mixing this thing down. Yes, it's going to be a late evening for you. We had reasons for, for this being recording later, I promise. It's not just us slacking. I mean, we had, like, Mother's Day, and ha- happy Mother's Day to all the, the moms out there. And, mm-hmm. and we had other stuff. I was camping, and... My wife had surgery, so... Your wife had surgery. And if we're being honest, the big reason was because Microsoft's Build Conference didn't end until Saturday, and we wanted to wait to, to see what what came out of that. Yeah, what madness they unleash upon the world that's going to bring us one step closer to Judgment Day. It'll be a very well-designed Judgment Day. It will be. It'll be pretty, won't it? It will be. It will be. Um, hey, uh, before we get any further, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at TrekRadio.net, KryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio, Stitcher.com, GeekFactorRadio, and Radio KSCR. I think I fell into a groove there saying some people who may not still be sponsors, but it's okay. We like them anyway. It happens. It happens. Um, and we have some feedback. We're going to keep just plugging along here because we actually got a lot of headlines to talk about. So first feedback comes from Ruff. Says, excellent advice on the uh, regarding the mesh Wi-Fi, especially the comment to, to uh, about Google and their commitment to hardware. I ended up going with the Eero with the base unit in bridge mode. My Verizon modem is doing the router heavy lifting. I checked the Wi-Fi strength all over the house, and it's all good. Next tech purchase will probably be an Alexa. Cheers, Ruff. Okay, so if anyone else wants to know, putting the base unit into bridge mode means that the modem he got from Verizon is the router. It turns the Eero into just a Wi-Fi mesh. It's not doing any of the routing stuff. Good news is it makes it easier to set up. Bad news is you miss out on some of the cool routing functions that come in an Eero, but a lot of times Verizon and Comcast and Quest does this as well and CenturyLink, um, they make it so they can't turn their modems into bridge mode, and you don't want to have two routers on a network. And that's exactly what happened with me, because I'm with CenturyLink, so yeah, I'm kind of running a, a similar setup there. Yeah, um, uh, as rough is, but I mean, it works. It works great. I, I get the functionality of the Eero, where I'm, I'm, you know, keeping the kids locked down and things like that, and controlling my devices. I like it. Yep. Now, um, if you get really, really lucky, sometimes, and I have to stress that sometimes you can get a tech on the line who's willing to put your router into bridge mode. But if you don't know specifically what that means and how to take care of it you're probably just going to piss off the customer service rep and you don't want them doing it to you anyway because you wouldn't know how to fix it. You know, I actually talked with one of my neighbors who works for CenturyLink uh, about that and I asked him, I said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. Can you help me out? He said, you know what, it's not even possible with us. Yeah, Comcast is possible, but you have to convince them um, to get you onto a business router without a business plan because their Comcast business routers can do it. And therein lies the challenge. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to accept that challenge and let us know how it goes. Yeah. Just go ahead. Rough. You sound like, you know what you're doing. Why don't you, you, you get back to us if you can and let us know how that works out. If you have no internet because you broke it, then obviously you'll have problems getting back to us, but just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one comes from our Facebook page. Riley writes, question for you guys. I'm seeing more and more smart products come out for the home. A few of these are new, but there are more and more of them available. How good is the security on these things, particularly things like smart locks that work off the Bluetooth from your phone? Love the show. Riley, that's a great question. One we haven't really addressed in the past, there are many smart locks. Some have Bluetooth. Some use Zigbee or Z-Wave. Some are Wi-Fi enabled. Some are all of them enabled. And they all have different strengths and weaknesses. And a recent, um, I, wanna, I, I wish I could remember where I found this because I did a bunch of research on this when I was looking at getting one for myself. Out of all of them that are out there right now, there's only like two that are secure against Bluetooth or Z-Wave or Wi-Fi attack. That's it. Just two? Just two. I think one of them is the Kivo, 
Um, and there was another one that I can't remember. There was one that was impervious to attack, but it was immediately disqualified because it was really easy to pick. Like it was really easy to get past it with a screwdriver, but impossible Uh to get through it through the Bluetooth. So it still lost out. Um, it's a hard thing to focus on. It's a hard thing to lock down. They did find that it was the Bluetooth that typically gave a vulnerability in. If it was just Z wave, then it was a lot harder. I look at this, um, in terms of loss versus gain, you know, how much energy are you putting into something versus how much is it going to return you? Bluetooth hacks, relatively easy to do. If you're someone who's motivated enough, it doesn't take long to figure out how to turn your phone into a way to exploit other Bluetooth devices around you, right? It's just the nature of the protocol. Z-Wave is a little bit harder, but if anyone is so dedicated to get a system that can override my Z-Wave lock and let them into my house, they're going to find that obviously that person is dedicated, devoted themselves to get into my house. And chances are your lock isn't going to be what stops them. Right. Right. It's like people saying, oh, well, I need something that uh, I need cloud storage, but I need it to be able to withstand the NSA. Look, the NSA, if they really want to get your cloud storage, they already have it. And there's nothing you can do to stop them. You will spend an you know, exponential amount of money just trying to get them to stop. And what is really the gain? I'm probably sounding a bit like a nihilist here, but the entire purpose of a lock isn't actually to keep people out. It's to enforce a social stigma, a social norm that we've had for hundreds of years since the lock was first, the tumble lock was first invented. It's to say you're not welcome. Yeah. Keep away. Keep out. I don't want you here. I'm just saying. Uh, Now, if you're not familiar with Z-Wave, you will need a Z-Wave controller. Like, um, I think Alexa has that built in. Google Now, the Google Assistant has it built in now. Um, Samsung has their SmartThings hub, and their new router has it built in. It's quite cool, and you can do... I mean, Schmitty has his entire house set up that way. I'm getting my house set up that way. Um, But yeah, Bluetooth, don't rely on that. Thanks, Riley. We appreciate your message. And I got to apologize. I should have probably covered that when i did the solo episode a few weeks ago i just saw the message today on facebook for some reason facebook didn't want to show it to me and even at this moment it doesn't want to show it to me we did get another bit of face back just face back yeah wow feedback um from rough who mentioned that the comment section on our page uh he said that it's taking forever to get comments approved uh rough i never saw a comment from you to approve so maybe you didn't hit send. That submit button is a, is a key element of posting a comment. It's possible that there's something wrong with the site, but I can't really troubleshoot otherwise. We have seen a lot of spam come in, though. Tons. A lot. So much. So much. All right. Well, if you want feedback uh, sent to us, and we really want you to give us feedback, it's feedback at com. Wow, having problems. Uh, yeah, the word's not working so good, huh? Nope, nope, word's bad. Uh, give us a call at 801-917-GEEK, um, or like uh, Riley did, just drop us a line on Facebook. Yeah. So our first headline came out today. Normally this would be something that would be in next week's show, but because we're recording Sunday night, it gets to fall into this one, and it is fascinating. So I'm going to um, go on a tangent here first. You know that mo- that show MASH? Yes. You mean the show that's on at any given point somewhere in the world? Right. The one that makes you think the Korean War lasted like seven years. Yeah. And that, I don't like MASH, by the way. I don't think it's funny. And that People Korea think it's happens I don't to, to look a lot it. like Northern California. Yeah. It, well, I they are one in the same, aren't they? Exactly. Okay. So Hawkeye Pierce, he is a captain in the U.S. Army, right? Yes. But he doesn't seem very military, does he? He does not. Do you know how that happened? He was a doctor. They needed doctors, so they 
brought doctors. They said without we will- the the military indoctrination. Is that a, is that a good word? Right, without the basic training. They said, we're not hiring you to be a soldier. We're hiring you to be a doctor. We need your skills. We will give you a higher pay. We'll pay off some debts, or maybe we'll draft you. But you get to automatically have an officer position and higher pay. That's why he was a captain. He didn't earn his way up to captain. But that's why he had officer privileges and... You know, and this happens throughout militaries of the world. Um, positions like doctors, you can't go through 12 years of doctor school, medical school. and <laughs> Doctor school. Doctor school. Yeah, I, I obviously never have gone. That um, sounds so professional. Where, where'd you graduate doctor school? Yeah. I have a degree in doctoring. <laughs> but uh, you can't go through 12 years of education then just to go through all of basic training and everything else. I mean, it makes yeah. sense. It, it doesn't work. Well, things here in 2017 are a little bit different than they were uh, back in whichever Korean War MASH is trying to portray. Now, it turns out the Department of Defense is having issues with cybersecurity experts or cyber experts in general. They had this great idea of having a fighting force that was just in adept, as adept in cyber warfare as they were in actual warfare. But it turns out that it's not just a skill you can immediately pick up and do. Who knew, right, that we IT people actually have skills that have been gained over a long process? Yeah, and sometimes those skills didn't come very easy. So those cyber warriors, as they're calling them, that were destined for battlefield operations or frontline operations or just field operations in general, are getting called back because they need to run the Department of Defense's infrastructure. Like, they need their IT team. Uh, go, go figure. You know, though, having worked on a military base, the IT guys, and it's it's like this pretty much everywhere, but... In the military, I noticed, and not that I was in the military, I was a contractor, but the colonels have no use for IT. They were wondering why IT is even around until they can't get their email. And then they're wondering where the heck IT is and why did IT not do their job because he can't get his email. Drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. Well, so they're looking at maybe changing the way that cyber operators get recruited into the military in that they don't have to go through basic. And what's more, they may come in at a higher pay grade or higher rank than they would otherwise. Kind of like doctors. That actually kind of makes sense for me. However, IT guys, we're generally not the most in shape group of people. <laughs> Well, and it does so, bring that up that, you know, I, I mean, round is a shape. Yeah, but we wouldn't make it through basic training anyway. So you got to think, though, that the, spe the specific role that they're trying to get these people to fill isn't one where you go hiking for days and days and days and then engage in combat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, generally, IT guys aren't going to be doing that. They're going to be stuck at the base fixing IT stuff. Now, the big problem is, however, that tech pays. And I don't think yeah. the military can keep up with the offers we get out in the civilian world. I hadn't considered that, but that's a really good point. I, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I mean... I've got a buddy who went uh, in grad from graduation making 60-some-odd thousand a year, and within five years, he had doubled that because the offers kept coming in. Now, on the flip side, so I started in the tech sector later in life, actually. Well, not too much later. I was about 21. I really wasn't into computers before that. So about 14 years ago, I finally got into computers. Let's reverse that. Let's say I was 18. And most people who start out, at least here in the tech sector, start out in a call center. Because 
training tech support is easy. Yes. And if you show some skill at it, then you move up. What if instead of going into a call center job, I got recruited to the army? I got the same amount of training and it, they wouldn't have to pay me a whole lot more. I work five years, 10 years, whatever in the army for the army. I am discharged with so much more experience, training, certifications, all that fun stuff, and then can go on. By that point, I'm 28, 29, almost 30, and can enter the, the, the tech sector on my own. That's not a bad idea. That's really not. Yeah, that's, re- that's really not a bad idea at all. I mean, this this... Idea. With the whole, you might get blown up thing, of course. But. Sure, but it's either that or deal with some really angry, pissy people on the phone. And kind of, honestly, it's kind of sexist to me sometimes. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. My my daughter works at a fast food place, and she was telling me the other day, she said, oh, man, we had this angry customer. I don't like dealing with angry customers, but I'm good at it. And I said, you know, I've got more experience dealing with angry people than you ever will. No, you don't. I mean, I have to deal with like one person a week at work. I'm like, I worked in a call center for an internet provider. The only time people would call is when they were pissed off. Right. When they were angry. When they were mad. And and that's the life of the IT guy. And so, you know, you're doing a call center. You're getting those calls. If you're in the army, yeah, you're getting mortars. You're getting shot at, whatever. But it might be easier. <laughs> it might be easier, at least mentally, I would think. Uh, we'll just say this. In a call center, you're not allowed to shoot the person who's throwing fire at you. No, you're not. In the really army? sucks. You'd probably get a medal for it. Yeah. So, hey, I- I'm just saying, my, my point here is that maybe an offer like this doesn't work for people that are further in their careers that are making the higher amount. But for those for those beginning people, I th- I think that's a I, th- I think that's actually a really good idea. I think I this think might be a, brilliant. I, I yeah, I military intelligence pays through, man. And comes through. I, I got to be honest. I'd trust someone who came to me saying, "Yeah, I just spent the last ten years working for the Marines. I'm a network operator and safety analyst or security analyst. I received these certifications and these commendations and whatnot." specifically for my work in IT security versus, yeah, I just got done with my ITT graduate degree. <laughs> like, dude, I'm They're taking the Marine. They're not even accredited anymore. <laughs> they don't even exist anymore. Yeah, I'm taking the freaking Marine. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So, so this is really kind of fascinating to me that we've we've reached that point in society that these skills are so vital. Well, I just think it's awesome that the DOD thought that, like, Good tech skills are like a dime a dozen. Just like everybody else out there that's not in the tech industry. Right. Uh, We don't, I mean, we don't just fall off trees, people. There's a lot that goes into our knowledge. It's, and that's why I think it's so interesting. Like when somebody finds out that you're a tech guy, they always want you to fix their computer for free or help them do whatever for free. Oh, I need, I need help setting up my network. Can you come over and help me do that? And you don't do that with like a plastic surgeon. Oh, you're a plastic surgeon. Dude, I need like a nose job next week. Can you, can you take care of that for me for free? But it is expected of say a plumber or an electrician true or a carpenter you know and i am not trying to put those guys down because as i've found i have a lot more need in my life for a master plumber or master electrician or master carpenter than i do a plastic surgeon true those guys are worth way more to me than a surgeon is but people act the same way oh you're a plumber hey my sink is doing this really funny thing you think you can come over and i know you normally charge 80 dollars an hour for this thing but i'm asking really nice and you're not in uniform, so think you can come just do it for me? Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. It drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. We need to move on, though. Um, yes, we do. And to kind of the big story of the week. 
<sighs> the WannaCry ransomware. It's the end of days. This is a bad one. Um, we probably should have started with this one, but I frankly didn't want to. So <laughs> sorry. If you haven't recently, update your computer. Update your phone. Update everything. Update the antivirus. Update your subscriptions. Install all your new drivers. Update. 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 The WannaCry ransomware is exactly what it says. It makes you want to cry. It's ransomware that encrypts everything, and it's spreading like wildfire. It is spreading so fast, and it's becoming so prevalent, Microsoft reneged on their pledge to no longer support old operating systems and rolled out an update for everything XP and above just to try and get ahead of this. I didn't even see that. That's awesome. Like, it's that big a deal. Yeah, I was not aware that that happened. That's cool. I I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's hit the national health um, services. Like I was about to say, society. <laughs> well, and that's that's over in in the UK, right? That, that's not here. It's jumped oceans. It's it is here. It's it's everywhere right now. But no, national health is over in the UK. There, that's not an American thing. Right, right. I'm sorry. Now, the interesting thing about this is it appears to, and I think we talked about this, the the um, leaked CIA tools. Mm-hmm. It appears to be a variant of one of those. So we have our beloved government to thank for this. And their lack of quality IT people, I'm guessing. Maybe that's why the DOD is out there trying to get them in maybe maybe yeah well and the thing is it's like that's okay so this gets complicated here on one hand when the cia and the dod found out that these exploits existed they should have said okay look the security of the country is more important than us possibly getting information off of a couple computers because they sat on those exploits they didn't inform anyone that they existed Yes. And, okay, that's that's on them. But then when they found out they were leaked, and they said, please don't release them, please don't release them. And they said, no, no, it's the right of the people. Everyone should know what you guys have been up to. And I don't, I don't remember if it was anonymous or if it was WikiLeaks or who it was that decided to end up releasing all of them. I said, you will do more damage by releasing them than you could ever mitigate by telling the world about them. And sure enough, here we are. Yeah. So I'm not saying that the CIA and the DOD is necessarily blameless in this because they are the ones who sat on the information for their own gain. But it's really kind of the hackers who decided to disseminate this information to everyone and are now acting surprised that this is happening. Yeah. And, and that is true. I mean, ultimately it is on the people that do the bad thing, but the bad thing was enabled by people who are doing a bad thing. You know, it's like two wrongs don't make a right. I don't know if that's like the most deep statement you've ever said, or if I'm just really tired. <laughs> I'm profound. Uh, or I'm fried. One of the two. I think we're probably fried. That is a show title if ever there was one. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's not the CIA's fault that this ransomware or that this their software exploits got tweaked to the point where they could be used as ransomware. But it is their fault because they sat on it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they they all suck. They all suck. Now, um, in light of that as well, news has come out that Cisco went and patched a critical f- flaw that was also in that dump from the CIA. It was a uh, exploit that allowed you to execute malicious code on 318 different models of Cisco switches. Now, yeah. if you don't know what that means, let me just say that most of the Internet runs on Cisco switches. Yeah, and I think we talked about this, um, that they had 
that they had that um, vulnerability and it hadn't been taken care of yet, if I recall. Or maybe that was a dream. I don't know. But I think. So, good job, Cisco, fixing that. Yeah, it it is nice that they uh, were able to get that taken care of. Because that's a bad thing. Wow. Again, very profound. Yes, I'm deep. Um, okay. Do we have any more exploit news, hack news? Uh, there's the malware that's going around in the App Store. Let's do that. Yeah. This one's fun. Um, <laughs> and is it... I don't think it's actually from the, the App Store. Um, but... There's a website. What I can't even remember what it is. Handbrake. Handbrake. That's Handbrake. right. I should change that because you're right. It's not the App Store. But yeah, if if you've got Handbrake, which is a video transcoder app on your Mac, then there's good chance that you're infected with a uh, Remogen or Remogen. Wow. Uh, <laughs> a Trojan called um, RAT, which stands for Remote Access Trojan. And they issued a security alert last Saturday uh, saying that one of their mirror servers to download the software had been compromised. And so, yeah, if you've downloaded it, there is a good chance that you have a malicious version infected with a new variant of Proton, which is a Mac-based remote access Trojan, as I just said, that gives hackers root access privileges to the infected system. Now, you might be thinking, oh, but it's a Mac. It has all these security measures in place. Not really, and not when it, it... Even if they can't execute anything on your computer, there is one thing they can have get access to. And Apple users know exactly what I'm talking about. It's called the keychain. And it's where all the passwords you ever enter into the computer are stored. They're not after your computer, Apple fans. They're after your online information. Yep. Yep. So, security by obscurity again. Yeah, it doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't. It really does not. And, you know, I would like to think that Apple would one day figure that out. And I think that that day is coming. But today is not that day. Yep. Um, Here's an interesting vulnerability that was announced in April, and we're just now hearing about it. Um, HP, I don't like them, but evidently they're still really popular. They have what's called an audio driver. I'm not really breaking any new ground here. Everyone knows what that is. It's the bit of software that helps run your speakers. They use Conexent. That's a very popular audio chipset. You've probably seen it on your computer. And they have a new audio driver package, version 1.0.0.46. Well, and unfortunately, I found it also deals with all audio drivers before that, too. And it has what is best described as a keylogger in it. It starts with your computer so it can run your sound, and then it monitors and records everything you type into it, stores it locally in a file that's easily accessible to anyone on the computer or any software or malware. It's like, what the crap? And it will also expose your keystrokes in real time via a local API. So if you have an HP Elite Book, all versions. HP ProBook, all versions. Um, the other Elite the, Book, the 7 Series. The Z Book. Um, the Elite. X2. The Elite Book Folio. Um, or any of those with any version of Windows 10, any version of Windows 7. And I'm going to guess any version of Windows 8, even though they skipped over it. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Now, HP has released a driver update to take care of the issue. What do you mean take care of? That we found it? Hasn't the damage been done? I mean, how long is this? How long has this been going on? HP won't won't make give a statement. How long have they been doing this? And was I mean, was HP even aware? 
do you think like one of their engineers was kind of a black hat and did it? I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting, though. I, I think it's kind of clever, though, to put a keylogger into an actual audio driver. Well, because it's something that everyone needs. It's something everyone needs, and it's, you're not going to think, oh, this is a keylogger. This is this is giving me my sound. That That's quite ingenious. Right. Oh, we need to install a keyboard file. What? You, you know, you're suspicious of that. Yeah. Yeah, I I even get suspicious with, like, the drivers for the trackpad. I, I'm, like, so paranoid. But I wouldn't ever stop and think about that with an audio driver, especially coming from the manufacturer. Out of the box. Diabolical. <laughs> that is just evil. That is just evil. All right, let's get into some fun Microsoft news. And I mean fun Fluent Design. Fluent Design. Previously named, uh, codenamed Neon. We talked about Project Neon. Um, it was their idea at getting a new UI in place. Well, it turns out it's not quite as simple as that. It's instead kind of what the material design is or the metro design was for Windows. It's guidelines that talk about how things should be designed in Windows. Uh, there's a little video here. We've provided a link to the YouTube page, but it's also on The Verge, and they've embedded the same video. And it gives you kind of a um, a real quick rundown of what they're looking at. And this isn't just the Microsoft fanboy in me talking. It really is quite gorgeous. It's what you would expect a computer from 2025 to look like. Which yes. probably means it'll be a little bit choppy, not really smooth when we start to see it on our 2017 computers, but it still makes me very excited. But by the time 2025 hits, bam, that thing's going to be smooth as butter. No, probably before that. Well, it's like that with everything. You remember when uh, when Material Design first came out for Android, and everyone's like, oh, it looks really, really nice. But it didn't work real well, not until Project Butter came out and they were able to increase their frame rates to make everything look smooth. Yeah. Then it was fully realized. This is kind of the same thing. It's really, really intense. Um, if you have a good graphics card, you'll probably be able to run it just fine. If not, I don't know what you're going to do. But it deals a lot with uh, point of view, parallax, different materials, um, different sense of scale, a lot of movement and motion. Just watch the video. Okay. And some of it seems so, oh, well, duh, that's already there. That's what they've been working on. Suddenly you realize, oh, oh, that's what they've been working towards this whole time. Yeah. Now I, you just mentioned, you know, your video card may struggle with it. I immediately had flashbacks to arrow with XP with, with no, with windows Vista. I think it was. And oh, you're how, right, you're right, yeah. And how pretty that looked, and how horrible it was if your computer just wasn't very beefy. Well, XP also had its own um, UI tweaks that required a lot more horsepower yeah. than the computers of the day were used to giving. Things that we take for granted now, like a drop shadow, or um, yeah. transparent backgrounds on icon names. Yeah, that used to have to be turned on, people. Yeah, but, I mean, I remember with Arrow just what a nightmare that was for so many users. I wonder if this is how how Fluent Design is going to be uh, for the first little bit until it kind of catches up, the technology kind of catches up to the, to the capabilities. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of the reasoning behind this is because they want one design interface to work across all Windows devices. It, from HoloLens, using augmented reality, up to integrated and embedded systems that may not even have a front end. And talking about HoloLens, this one has me excited. Okay, so HoloLens is out in the form of a developer kit. And if, yep. you, and if you want to drop $1,000 on a developer kit, you can go ahead and buy a HoloLens. But that's not really where they want to go with it. And Acer and HP already have it set up that you can pre-order their mixed reality headsets for $300. Nice. That is very nice. Um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Like HoloLens is actually around 3000 not 1000 I, I like that price point. That's one thing that we've talked about here on the show is that if you're not able to bring the price point down, VR is never going to take off. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a lot more appealing than a six or $700 Oculus Rift. Now, I, I I don't know if anyone out there has been using an Oculus or a Gear VR or, or anything. I got a Gear VR with my Samsung S8 Plus. And I've used it. And you know what the number one way I use it? Netflix and YouTube. Really? That's it. Everything else on it sucks. And it's not its fault. It's because I'm basically shoving a cell phone against my eyes and it's trying to run everything itself. I've been, I've then went, uh, when we went to the Microsoft store in Indianapolis, Dr. Squishy and I used an HTC Vive and it was way better, way, way better than my gear VR. Cause it was actually pulling everything from a PC. And so if the PC program could run, then it could do things better. And a PC can run things much faster than a cell phone still to this day. Yes. So that makes sense, but it was still virtual reality. I still had, I was entirely cut off from everything that was going on around me. I couldn't interact with anything. It was quite annoying that way, which is why I don't think that's where our future is. I think augmented reality is the way to go. And if I can get an augmented reality system, for the same price as a full VR system. Well, that's just awesome. You know, I had never considered using like the, the Samsung gear VR for just Netflix, but that would be really nice to just kind of isolate yourself like that. I can see that being a very well, imagine it on the next flight you take. Yeah, I I think I like that, and I think that that needs to needs to be something that I that I purchase now. Well, see, and I I have issues with it anyway because Netflix on the Gear VR is problematic with me. When you open it up, you have a very clear, very nice, high resolution screen, and it's simulating like a hundred and twenty inch TV screen that's ten feet away from you. Or, yeah. or something like that, right? Which, hey, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I, but then I noticed something kind of funny. When I was sitting here, where I'm sitting right now, in front of my computer screen, and I took my headset off, and I had to put it back on. I had to t- like do a double take a few times, so triple, quadruple take, where I'm taking it off, putting it back on, taking it off, putting it back on. And I noticed that the Netflix screen in the headset is the exact same size as my monitor is in real life. So it's like, unless you're on a plane or in an area that doesn't have an actual TV or computer, even then it's useless. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking that would be awesome on a plane. That would be awesome. I may have to steal yours when I go on my next trip. Oh, that's fine. I'll let you borrow it. That'd be awesome. You can try it out. Let me in and report back. Of course, yes. you should probably get the uh, S8 or S8 Plus first. I probably should. Yeah. Huh? Um, yeah, so pre-orders now. No word yet on when it comes out, but hey, freaking awesome. You know what's also freaking awesome? Cortana getting a speaker? Yeah. And who's making it? We've talked about this before, but now we've seen it. Yes, Harmon Carden. Funny name, excellent speaker company. Yes. Um, it's, it looks a lot like kind of the OnHub router, or in a way, kind of the Alexa. Yeah, this this makes me think of the Echo, the Amazon Echo, quite a bit when I saw it. That, yeah. That was my first thought. Yeah. So, um, currently, no word on what all it's capable of. It does have Skype built in. So you can make a call to cell phones or other Skype-enabled devices, which is a one-up on the other ones. Um, you can control um, compatible smart home devices. Um, 
they had talked previously about Cortana being able to identify different people by voice, and that was a real big bragging point, but then Google like immediately released an update to the Google Assistant that allows you to do the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that now it's doing what everyone else does. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of like the idea of a Cortana-powered Echo-style device. I, I like that. Although I'm not as huge of a fan of Cortana as you. I mean, you totally utilize it. If I could get it to work with my phone the way that Google Assistant works with my phone, then I'd probably be a lot bigger fan of it as well. See, and I, even there, I have a Google Home now. I have a Google Hub. Um, my son won it for free. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is so cool. I'm like, dude, you're, I'm sorry. I'll buy you something because this is going into the home and, well, yeah, but then I can move it around, couldn't I? No, it's just part of the home now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It has has been assimilated. Yes, it is one with the home. Um, But I can do more with the Google Assistant on my phone than I can with the Google Assistant in the hub. Like a lot more. Well, that doesn't surprise me though either because... I mean, they're still trying to get that. Yeah, that's still fairly new tech there. Yeah, it's still it's frustrating actually how limited the hub is. Yeah, that's why I'm not a big early adopter of stuff like that. Yeah, so we'll see how this goes too. It's not coming out till fall, um, but in more freaking awesome Windows news, the Windows Store will soon have Ubuntu, SuS, and Fedora Linux distros. Oh, really? So, from within the Windows Store, you can install Ubuntu. And you're going, wait, what? It's a virtualized Ubuntu appliance, so you can log in and run full Ubuntu in a virtual PC environment. And all runs flat in a Metro app. Why the crap would you do that? Oh, I don't know. So maybe you could run a Linux environment or Linux apps or develop for a Linux system inside of a $190 Windows 10 S laptop. That is brilliant. Because I know when I was in school, I I had a lot of um, computer security classes and I needed needed to use uh, a lot of Linux tools, Linux based tools. And so I had to get a VM and set up a VM, multiple VMs, in fact, on my desktop computer at home so I could install all of these different distributions that I needed. Or This is, this so, is great news. So many developers I know, why are you freaking using a Mac? You're not a graphic designer. Oh, well, you know, it has a Unix base, so it's just really easy for me to drop to the command line and I can do everything I need that way. Or, or guess yeah. what? You don't need to do that anymore. No, Schmidt will be happy about this. This absolutely destroys those reasons that those developers use Macs right now. It, it really does. This this is great. This is great news. Oh, hey, guess what else is coming to the Windows Store? I laughed when I saw this. iTunes. <laughs> Bear with me, because it sounds like the stupid... I couldn't believe anyone's still using iTunes. Yeah, I couldn't either, but... Even Apple people I know don't use iTunes anymore because it's bloated. Nobody likes it. It's horrible. It used to be good. It really did. About the time that the 4S came about. Yeah, I am am not a huge fan of iTunes. I haven't ever been. And I don't know anybody who is, in all honesty. About the time Zune software was still around... Zune software and iTunes were kind of neck and neck in some of the things they could do. They were just different strokes for different folks. Then Microsoft killed the Zune software. And I have to specify that because I'm not talking about the hardware, specifically the Zune player. And they replaced it with something much worse. And Apple upgraded the iTunes software and made it much worse. Yeah. And we've been left with nothing ever since. Well... That's changing. They're bringing iTunes to the Windows Store, which means, again, if you want to run it in a flat, virtualized environment on a $190 Windows 10 S computer, you can. This is just freaking awesome. Yeah. I, I got I got nothing to say. I got nothing. 
now. Yay, iTunes. I'm surprised, though, that with Apple and Mac being the competitors, or excuse me, with, with Apple and Microsoft being the competitors that they are, that Microsoft is, like, welcoming them to the like this. I mean, obviously, Apple is always, well, I don't know, always, but for years they've had a Windows version of iTunes. Mm-hmm. But for... For Microsoft to embrace it and bring it in-house like this into the Windows Store, I think that's hilarious. And I don't know why I find it so comical, but I do. I'm curious enough to actually try and install it just to see. Do you even own any devices that would work with it? No. I didn't think so. Yeah, that'll be interesting, to say the least. Uh, They have no mention of a release date. Look, I'm going to say this. I am always in the mood for a good music player. It has to be feature-rich. It has to be um, low profile on the memory and the CPU. It has to be able to do the things I need it to do pretty enough that I can leave it up front if I want, but accessible enough that if I minimize it or get it out of the way, it still can work. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, dear listener, you may think I'm an idiot. You may have already come to this conclusion, but it just struck me why they're doing this. In Windows 8, if you were to run a Metro app, it sat in its own memory space, separate from the desktop. If you wanted to run a desktop app, you actually had to open the desktop, which again ran in in its own memory space, and do it that way. I forgot that, but yeah, that sucked. I hated that. It made sense when you looked at it. The Xbox One still works on this principle. Yeah. That's why you're able to switch between games and apps so fast. What if they're trying to do that again, but with HoloLens? So you're sitting there looking through your augmented reality headset from Acer or HP, or if you're rich from Microsoft, and you want to pin your iTunes to this wall, just so it's always there. When you look at that wall, that's your iTunes. If you're going to do that, you can't do it as a desktop app, because otherwise you'd be pinning your desktop there. Yeah. And that doesn't work. You have to pin a Windows UWP or Unified Windows Program to the space. That actually makes a lot of sense. Now we we now, get to the point where we say time will tell, and we see if your if your uh, logic is sound. But uh, doesn't it make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Because you can't pin a desktop to a wall. You're looking at the desktop. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense why they would do that. It also makes sense why Apple would be excited to develop a UWP version of iTunes. Yes. Yes, there is a lot there that makes a lot of a lot of sense in my mind. Sweet. We may have cracked the code. Now we just got to wait and see if we're right. Yep. All right. Um Last week, John Oliver, on his show last week tonight, um, encouraged people to flood the FCC with comments about keeping net neutrality. And he even created a new website called Go FCC Yourself. And it was trending worldwide. It was it was huge. Basically petitioning the FCC to stop screwing with net neutrality, keep the internet as a Title II service, all, all good things. Well, it didn't take long for someone to try and ruin it all, because, of course, it's the Internet, and they found that many comments that were being left were from a bot. Thousands, actually. Yes. Strangely, it was a bot that was creating comments against net neutrality. They were arguing in favor of deregulating it. And many of the people who were claimed that the bot claimed to be had no clue that they had even left a message. Yeah. Yeah, they reached out to a few of the people and they were clueless. 
They had no idea that this was happening. I haven't made any comments today on any websites. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Odd, right? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Go fig. Okay. In ISP news, and kind of back to Ruff's comment about Eero, uh, Comcast actually made an interesting acquisition last week. They bought um, Plume, or they invested in Plume, and they are launching Xfinity XFi. It's going to be a mesh Wi-Fi system that they can connect to from the TV, from your phone, and monitor it that way. On one hand, well, good. Nice job. Makes sense. On the other hand, I still don't trust you, Comcast. I'd stick with Eero first. You know, this causes me a lot of concern. Now, you and I both had a router... Uh, a few years ago, it was a, it was um, one that I happened to beta test through my work. Um, and Zook, I think you got on the beta test. No, I gave you one afterwards. I don't re- I don't remember, but um, it was called Skydog, mm-hmm. and it had all these awesome features in it. And then one day, out of the blue, get an email saying we've been bought by Comcast, and your stuff will work for a while. And then eventually it just, you get a message and it would say, yeah, we're done. There's no more support. There's no more updates. There's no more anything. And oh, by the way, you can't even log in anymore. So thanks for the ride. It scares me that Comcast is doing something like this because I really do not want them to go out and buy up Eero. Let them buy Luma. Let them buy Circle by Disney. Let them, you know, whatever. Just, I do not want them to buy up Eero. And do the same thing and leave us high and dry. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a concern. And and that may be completely irrational. Uh but with Comcast getting into the into the Wi Fi game like this, into the mesh wireless, that that is something that I can totally see them doing is just going and buying up the competition. I'm just waiting for it to turn out that like Comcast is actually trying to take over everything in our home. Aren't they? Phone, TV, internet, home security. I mean, they're pretty much getting everything out there. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty much getting it all. Interesting. And it's not a company that you want having at all. No. Um, another company you don't want having anything to do with is Uber. They have become an amazing pariah of the tech world, it seems. That's a great way to put it. They they are like that dog turd that you step on and just can't get off your shoe lately. They can't do anything right. So, in the case against Waymo, or for Waymo versus Uber, Waymo is that subsidiary of Google who... Does the self-driving cars. Right, working on self-driving cars. They contend that uh, Uber poached one of their head engineers, and in his last few days, he downloaded like 1,400 documents from Google and gave them to, sorry, took them from Waymo, gave them to Uber, and suddenly Uber is debuting a LiDAR system that looks almost identical to Google's. Yes. Well, okay, so that engineer then tried to plead the fifth to the judge, saying that he didn't want to have to explain why he he, he didn't want to talk about anything in public, and the judge denied it. Um, then Uber's trying to say that uh, they want to just uh, privately arbitrate this and not let it be public, and the judge said no. You know, I find that very telling, though, that they're trying to take this into arbitration, because they know that they're screwed. They know it. And if they go into arbitration, they're hoping that it won't be as painful for them. Right. Usually when someone goes into private arbitration, you later hear on that a settlement was reached, the amount of which um, is sealed. Yes, yeah, something like that. But but it's generally kept pretty quiet. 
It could mean that they got paid off saying, look, yeah, we screwed up, but we didn't screw up that much. Here's 50 bucks. Shut up about it. Or it could be, we screwed up so horribly. Here's 90% of our valuation. Please don't tell anyone because if anyone found out, they'd all sell their stocks and we're dead. Yep. Uber's not going to last very long. They're not. Well, and now they're looking, they're saying that um, this may go to a possible criminal investigation. I mean, we've got like corporate espionage going on here. There's like laws being broken and stuff. Let's put it this way. After hearing the case for months and talking to the defendant and listening to all the arguments, the judge has said, uh, we're going to send this to the U.S. attorney. That's very telling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, the case has been referred to the U.S. attorney for, quote, investigation of possible theft of trade secrets based on the evidentiary record supplied thus far concerning plaintiff Waymo LLC's claim for trade secret misappropriation. So... Yeah, it's looking like we've got some criminal activity going on behind the scenes at Uber. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not just a bunch of dicks. Um they're like actual felons. So <laughs> good for them. Wow. I I am very interested to see how long this goes. And I I've said it before, I think if they lose this case, Uber's done. I believe so. I I don't I don't see them recovering. Um, into our favorites this week, mine, and you've probably seen this going around Facebook or Reddit or whatnot, a, um, special effects artist by the name of Eugene Romanovsky. I'm going to guess he's in central Europe somewhere, um, is selling his 1996 Suzuki Vitara. Man, I hate having to sell a car. Evidently he does too, because he put together a very, compelling video ad. It's about a minute and 57 seconds long explaining all the perks about his Suzuki Vitara and why it's in such great condition and how capable it is. And he gives little examples and video of him using it. And you may notice that he leads a very active lifestyle um, when not chasing dinosaurs and driving Fury Road he uh, does a lot of snorkeling and scuba diving. Uh, he's an avid uh, flyer. Check the video out. Just know that uh, it might need a little paint. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, although I would be wary to purchase a car that had been underwater like that. But hey, um, check it out. See it for yourself. Uh, my favorite this week is actually a kind of a tie-in to an upcoming interview that I'm going to be doing. Uh, I'll be doing an interview with a guy by the name of Arlen Schumer. He's a comic book historian. He also is an author. And he wrote a book called The Silver Age of Comic Book Art. Uh, you can pick it up on Amazon right now for about 33 bucks, which is a good price considering the last few weeks it's been about 44 bucks, 45 bucks. So if you want to get it now is a really good time to do so. But he goes through and kind of shows who the most influential Silver Age comic book artists were and gives examples of their work and why it's important in in terms of comic book history. And I picked up a copy of it last week. I've been reading through it in preparation for the interview I'm going to be doing with him. And it is fascinating. If you enjoy comic books, if you enjoy you know, art... And especially if you like Silver Age comic book art, you definitely need to pick this up. Uh, it is it is amazing how how awesome it is. I mean, I can't even think of words. I absolutely love this book. So so check it out. Awesome. Well, that is our show this week. Hey, if you want to get this episode on Monday morning when it first drops. Uh, ahead of everyone else, think of being like Zane. Uh, Zane is, of course, our associate producer, our additional producer, our contributor. I don't know what the actual title is. He's our supporter. He gets his name in the credits. And he gets this episode before the rest of you. 
He does. Which is, hey, that's awesome, right? Um, you can head on over to patreon.com slash stolen droids or follow the link on our website and you can become a sub- subscriber as well and a supporter. There's going to be some awesome new perks coming out here soon. Stay tuned to find out what. Um, again, feedback at stolendroids.com. Give us a call at 801-917-GEEK. And until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.